The views expressed on the following program are not necessarily those of this radio station or Delta Media Corporation, but we bet you'll like them. I'm back in the saddle again. Checking in from the right side of Acadiana, seeking truth. I want the truth! Yes! Justice. Somebody ought to belt you in the mouth. Yes! And a whole lot of freedom to have fun. Winning, winning, winning. Yes! Oh, behave. This is the Ross Report. call themselves the army of god oh yeah it's a new trucker convoy forming uh-huh. oh yeah trucker convoy forming called the army of god to call out joe biden and you know and and the mainstream media is having to cover this they're having to cover the mayorkas impeachment and they're having to cover what's going on at the border finally finally (sighs) army of god i hope they continue i do hope they continue they are going to stand in solidarity with Texas. I don't know about you, but I am so jazzed by what's going on right now. People are fighting back in a very, very basic way. They're fighting back openly. The states are fighting back. Texas is standing up. And Dan Patrick was on with Maria Bartiromo Sunday, and he said, I don't care how much razor wire they cut. They cut it. We're going to put it back up. And it's amazing because the statistics prove them out. The amount of crossings in the Eagle Pass area went down to almost zero from 3,000, what, a day to almost zero. Yeah. Uh, yeah, walls work. Uh, border wire, concertina wire works. Barbed wire works. Some kind of barrier, any kind of barrier works. And guess who's complaining now? Oh, Kirsten Cinema. She she teamed up with uh, Lankford 
and uh, and another uh, who else was it? Anyway, another bozo Democrat to uh, now do something about the border because her state is being impacted. Oh yeah, because they're closing down the the most wide open places in Texas, so they're going over to Arizona. They were actually they actually showed footage of them. Um, where did I see this? They were um, they had a welder's torch. And they cut into one of the slats of the border wall that had been put up. I think it was in Arizona. It was either Arizona or Texas. They, the cartel used welding irons and to cut through welding torches to cut through one slat so they could get through. And they were coming right through. So it's out of control and it's all, it's Joe Biden's border. Okay. You know, the quiz yesterday was, you know, we went through a whole bunch of things. Is the border more secure? Blah, 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 blah. Okay. Here, here's one generic question for you. Is anything better now than it was four years ago? Is anything working now that wasn't working four years ago? Well, that would be everything. Everything is a mess right now. Nothing is working because of the willful stupidity of an old man suffering the onset of dementia. I don't know how, I don't know if it's the onset, but I think he's in the middle of it. Yeah, I think he's past onset. So the Army of God is on their way to the southern border to stand in solidarity with Texas, along with National Guard troops from other states. And the state's decision to invoke the invasion clause of the Constitution, clause of the Constitution, because the federal government, if the federal government will not protect the state, the state has a right to protect itself. It is pretty obvious this is a willful invasion. They've been talking about it forever. You can go back, you know. Well, if you want to talk to the United Nations, it goes back to the 90s. You know, that uh, resettlement of migrants. Yeah. Replacement of migrants, the great replacement. It's not us who's saying that. Dick Durbin gets on the floor of the Senate and talks about demographics as destiny. We're going to replace you with a bunch of libs who are going to vote for us. And then last night on Jesse Waters, didn't they have video of... The um, all the migrants coming in, they were cheering Biden, Biden, Biden. If that doesn't infuriate every American, I don't know what will. So he's their guy. The convoy is entitled Take Back Our Border. And it's uh, going to begin today. Well, no, it began yesterday, began yesterday, and it's going to go over on for the next four days. And, of course, they're asking for the event to remain peaceful. A lot of people are angry out there. A lot of people are angry. They will be going to three hot spots known for illegal immigration. Eagle Pass, well, I think Texas has pretty much solved that problem, but then they can maybe shift them over to Yuma, Arizona, and San Ysidro, California. By the way, I do have, uh, this is a cute little clip from a hearing on the southern border crisis. It was, um, this was a couple of days ago, and it was the ACLU guy uh, testifying about why this was awful. They just shouldn't be, you know, they shouldn't be sending guards to the national border. No, they shouldn't be. No, Texas doesn't isn't allowed to protect themselves. But listen to what uh, um, Congressman Kiley brought up to the ACLU witness who was totally against what Abbott was doing. But listen to this. 
says Governor Newsom increases California National Guard presence at the border. Cracking down on illegal drugs, including fentanyl, being smuggled into California, Governor Newsom is increasing the number of California National Guard service members deployed to interdict drugs at U.S. ports of entry along the border by approximately 50 percent. Governor Newsom said fentanyl is a deadly poison, ripping families apart and communities apart. California is cracking down, he said. And today we're going further by deploying more CalGuard service members to combat this crisis and keep our communities safe. So Now, he did that a while back, but the hearing was held today. The hearing was held today, and this guy with the ACLU had no answer. You know why? <laughs> what could he answer? What could he answer? It's okay for Newsom to do it, but not Abbott? Well, yeah, of course, because Abbott's a Republican. So the convoy, the angel of God, they call themselves the Army of God. They're going to the three spots, but I think they're going to move over. Well, they might just go to Eagle Pass for, for a, a photo op, you know what I'm saying. But they are going to Yuma, Arizona, and San Ysidro, California. And so um, maybe the mainstream media will start paying attention. Um, the leader of the convoy, Dr. Peter Chambers, is a retired U.S. Army lieutenant colonel. He emphasizes the fact that the event will be a peaceful assembly. Te- Texas authorities, as you know are denying federal agencies access to that park. They have every right to do it. It's Texas territory. So no matter what Biden says, the convoy is on its way. On its way. Yeah, we're so glad. We're going to take a break for our Patriot sponsors. Our Patriot sponsors, uh, you know, service Chevrolet Cadillac, great Americans over there. Such great corporate citizens. MPW Properties, Katiana Garage Doors, United Tile, Kishball Construction, Dinos and Prejeans, and of course, always a hotline for you. <laughs> I can't wait to see what happens with this convoy. Remember the last one in Tex- in uh, Canada? The truckers in Canada, they had a serious major effect, and that was in the winter, and it was awful, and it was tough. And the government went after them, and they de. By the way, they're they're made, the Saturday Night Live made fun of Trump for saying debanking. Debanking is a perfectly legitimate term, perfectly legitimate term that those stupid people at Saturday Night Live had no idea what they were talking about. But the guy who's the former president, who's the graduate of the Wharton School of Business, he knew what he was talking about. Yeah, they were debanked in Canada, and that's what they love to do. But guess what? Even the Canadian Supreme Court, leftist as it is, could not, could not stomach. What Justin Trudeau did to those truckers by freezing their accounts and debanking them completely. So take that Saturday Night Live. There is such a term and you're too stupid to know it. Unlike our former president who graduated from the Wharton School of Business. So there. Now, if you want to call in and get in on this conversation. Yes, you know where to call. 337-706-0113, 706-0113 brought to you by the great folks at CLB, the Community Bank. By the way, we're going to have Dr. Vance Ginn from the Pelican Institute on at 2.30. Going to be talking about a great article he just wrote uh, on the uh, Pelican website, uh, pelicanpolicy.org. Louisiana employment declines for the seventh straight month. Yeah. And we keep losing population. Yeah. Jeff Landry and the team, they, they better 
focus and pay attention and get this thing turned around fast. We'll be right back on the Ross Report. Don't go away. Another, um, another really troubling story in the news today. It just came out this morning that uh, six pro-life demonstrators were found guilty uh, Tuesday after the Biden administration charged them over a peaceful protest at a Tennessee abortion. This is Tennessee people. It was a peaceful protest at a Tennessee abortion facility in 2021. They face up to 11 years in prison. Now, under under the Straight Face Act, it would be just uh, a year in prison and a $10,000 fine. But they're pushing a conspiracy charge and a conspiracy that can be punished with up to 11 years in prison and fines of up to $350,000. Now, listen, this is really stupid stuff. This is terrible. This is punitive and it's unfair. Think Donald Trump being fined $83 million for that crone who couldn't even remember when she was so-called molested. And if you saw the interview she did with Anderson Cooper, Anderson Cooper was so, un- was so unnerved and nervous about the stuff she was saying about rape is sexy and all that. He said, well, let's go to brick immediately. I mean, this is the kind of craziness we're dealing with. Anybody conservative, anybody who believes in life is, is, is you're at risk. Now, they were, they were accused by the Department of Justice of violating the FACE Act, you know, Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances. I had to look it up, these stupid acronyms. Anyway, so they were accused of violating the FACE Act, and they were accused of a civil rights conspiracy. This protest took place in a hallway outside of a Mount Juliet abortion provider, and this happened back in 2021. They gathered on the second floor of an office building in the hallway outside this clinic. They prayed. Ugh, how awful. They sang hymns. Ugh, even worse. And they urged women showing up to the clinic to not get abortions. There are six people being charged. All six defendants were found guilty of both counts. Conspiracy? Obstruction? The verdict, of course, was delivered on the fifth day of the trial. It just came out today. Ironically, took place at the Fred D. Thompson Courthouse. Anybody remember Fred Thompson, conservative Republican from Tennessee? And, of course, the uh, judge overseeing the case was an appointee by then-President Bill Clinton. It it truly is mind-boggling. So uh, the video of the demonstration showed the group singing songs like Holy, 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 onward, Christian soldiers. Others showed members of the group talking to the police. Uh, Another video showed one participant telling another to speak in love. Speak in love, I and, you know, just, just with loving feelings to a man and his girlfriend who had shown up at the health clinic and told him that, you know, the baby is a gift from God. How offensive can you get? Oh, my goodness. Well, to to a pro-abortion person, you know, that is highly offensive. 
Now, you have heard me speak. I am a rational pro-lifer who respects our Constitution and the equal protection it affords all persons under the law. And you can interpret that any way you want, but we have a Constitution for that reason. And and very truly, Donald Trump and, and others have successfully success, successfully talked about the abortion issue as a conservative Republican who is pro-life. That there, there have to be exceptions, at least for the life of the mother, the extreme life of the mother, extreme challenge to the life of the mother. I mean, the, the way it has to be reframed is because most people are against late-term abortion. In fact, they're against abortions after the first 16 weeks. Dobbs, the decision in Mississippi, was 15 weeks. So there is a rational way to be pro-life. Don't let them paint you as the crazy person. You're not the crazy person. You're the rational person who wants to protect life but realizes there have to be some exceptions, whether we like it or not. Under our Constitution, there's that equal protection clause. There have to be some exceptions. The thing that we have to point out is that the crazy pro-abortion people, and they're not pro-choice, they're pro-abortion, and they're making money out of it, especially Planned Parenthood. You have the thing that you have to remember about them is they want no limits, no limits on abortion, none. They will go as Governor Northam once said is, well, we'll let the baby be born and then we'll keep it comfortable until we kill it or decide what we're going to do with it. There is no. And remember, the only Barack Obama, as a member of the state Senate in Illinois, was the only one who would not vote against partial birth abortions, would not vote to ban partial birth abortions. These people are insane about two things. Climate change, it's their religion, their cult, and abortion is their sacrament. How many times have you heard me say that? It's the truth. These are the two big issues they care about. Everything else is just fodder for whatever uh, item or issue du jour that they can latch on to. But you got to know that their bedrock foundation of everything they believe in is climate and abortion. We have to take that away from them. Thinking that Dobbs did it all across the country, you're not thinking rationally. And it should not be if we just got rid of a national law that was unconstitutional. It should be state by state. But each state needs to decide. Mississippi did it. Mississippi is no bastion of left-wing ideology. Their Dobbs case, which overturned Roe v. Wade, allowed it up to 15 weeks. So Republicans have to figure out a way to not alienate middle-class women who resent a government telling them what to do at every stage of their lives. That's what it comes down to. How do I know? Because I feel that way. I don't want the government any more involved in my life than it absolutely has to be. And it way is too much involved right now. So there is a kind of a fundamental resistance to giving government total control of our bodies. You got that? That's kind of what it comes down to for a lot of women. So we have to figure out a way to reach those women because we want them back in the fold. We want them on our side, pro-life, rational pro-lifers, because that's where most of the country is. Most of the country is, in fact, you know, if it were up to me, it would be first trimester and forget about it, everything else. But Mississippi, that over Dobbs that overturned the law, Roe v. Wade, 
said 15 weeks. And a lot of people forget that. So Republicans, in order to, we've got to be that big tent. We want people who are pro-life. They may not be purists, but they're pro-life. We want them in our corner. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with Dr. Vance Ginn talking about Louisiana's economic situation. And by the way, that out that out-migration is even worse than you or I knew. And Dr. Ginn has the stats to back it up. Oh boy, we'll be right back. What it is ain't exactly clear. There's a man with a gun over there telling me I've got to beware. I think it's time we stop, children. What's that sound? Everybody look what's Welcome back to the Ross Report. We're so glad to have back on the air with us. We have him on occasion on occasion when we look at some of the dismal numbers about Louisiana. And I'm sorry that it isn't better numbers, but it's we've got to tell the truth here. And so that's what we value. And we have Dr. Vance Ginn on with us. He is a chief economist at the Pelican, uh, Pelican Institute Center for Opportunity Policy. We always love to talk to Dr. Ginn because... Man, I tell you what, you have got some incredible research in this latest article about employment declines. Welcome back, Dr. Ginn. Hey, Carol, it's a pleasure to be with you today. Well, it's good to be with you, and uh, although it's disturbing to read the numbers, and we're all yeah. keeping our fingers crossed that this new uh, governor and and uh, new legislature, a lot of new legislators, they will take all of these statistics seriously and do something about it quickly um first of all give us the give us the uh the executive summary of what you found yeah let me i'll give you the overview and then we can dive in um you know i think the big thing here is like louisiana has abundant resources great people great food so much going for it yet we're not finding that when you're looking at the latest labor market and economic data um louisiana's population declined again as people are moving to other states Unemployment rate, although they show it 3.7%, if you include all the people that left to Louisiana over the last couple of years, um, that comes up to 5.5% would be like the real unemployment rate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's been declines in seven straight months of employment. So that means employment is falling for seven straight m- months. It's not a good situation. Purchasing power, meaning our inflation-adjusted wages, are not able to keep up across most of the industries across the economy. And, and the economic growth has picked up some. The personal income growth continues to lag the U.S. average. So all this said and done is that the bottom line, look, people are still struggling. Even with some of these data they like to highlight, there's a lot of, of things that need to get done right, and that's why the Pelican Institute is proposing bold reforms to get that done. Let's talk about some of those reforms, starting with, what, the taxation, the, the regulation? Where are you all starting? Well, I think you've got to you've got to cover all of those, Carol. As you know, I mean, all those things are stifling opportunity and entrepreneurship, and for families to to move to move up the income ladder. And it starts with responsible um, spending, and where the responsible Louisiana budget is something that the Pelican Institute has put out. We hope the governor will follow through as well on this to say, look, we're not going to spend more than the average taxpayer's ability to pay for government spending, as measured by population growth plus inflation. And if you do that, Carol, we can put 
put you know income taxes on a path to elimination by just using surplus dollars each time to buy down income tax rates until they get to zero. <laughs> Some of our research shows that we could do that with somewhere between 10 to 15 years, if not faster, depending on how fast they or how much they can control government spending. And then, of course, occupational licensing, other types of regulations really hit people hard. And so I think all these things together is really what we're calling you know the comeback agenda for Louisiana. And uh, well, we're saying it's go time. It's go time in Louisiana now, and, and it's time to get things started. Well, you know, I think one the one thing that maybe I hope it reassures you, it did me, the uh, governor's executive order for every department to start looking at every every penny that they're spending, every dime that they're spending, looking at everything, all the programs, the budgets, et cetera. Were you reassured by that? Because I think that's a good start. I think that's huge. I think that's so important. It really focuses in on the ultimate burden of government is how much it spends, not how much it taxes. Carol, you talk about this, right? Is that the government doesn't have a revenue problem. It has a spending problem. Oh, my God, and so, yes. yeah, yes, you've got to start digging into all these areas of the budget and figure out, okay, is this worth it? Is, is this effective? Uh, is this constitutional? We really need a whole reevaluation of Louisiana's government to make sure that taxpayer dollars are not not being overspent or unwisely or wasted or anything else. And as you and I know there's a lot of that going on. And so there's got to be a lot of ways to make cuts and, and, and improve government where we can so that more money can stay in the pockets of families across Louisiana. You know, the, the, Dr. Again, you, you know, I'm going to call you Vance because it's a lot That's easier. That's fine. That's fine. Please do. <laughs> anyway, uh, but I don't want to diminish, you know, your, your background and your education and your knowledge because uh, you come with some serious statistics. You had better statistics than even I thought and better in a way that it, it was more comprehensive. But hmm. uh, I didn't think we had 110,000, over 110,000 people in just four years. I didn't think it was anywhere near that. Uh, that number is startling. And if our people are one of our treasures, one of our resources, we're losing a, a, an important resource, are we not? We really are. I mean, that is what I consider to be the master resource is people. <laughs> we can't get anything else done if we, don't, if we don't have people. And the more people that leave Louisiana, um, the, the, the less opportunity we get to have more people to be productive, to create new innovations, to, to, to work and, and do all the things that we do to help out families and civil society. And, and you're exactly right. I mean, if you look at just the population declines over the last couple of years, since 2016, the population has declined by 107,000 people, That's right? Amazing. And if you look at just the people that are fleeing to other states, what's called a net out migration, um, you take the number of people coming into Louisiana, the number of people going out, that's where you get, so just since 2020, yeah. it's down, uh, there's out migration of 110,709 people, according to the latest census numbers for 2023. And, and like I said, I mean, this is a, a terrible trend uh, for, for the state as families are broken up, people with higher skills and incomes typically leave, and the economy suffers. And that's what we're seeing in all these other economic data it really is tragic you're absolutely right it's tragic um mm -hmm. and when you look at the other states that are ahead of, i mean we're number sixth in and yep. population changes from out migration uh, you look at the other states and you get why they're having out migration you don't get why we are new york is number one california number two they have crazy far left policies uh, but it makes you think are our policies crazy and far left too because then you have dc 
um, Alaska, Illinois, Louisiana is number six on this list. This makes no sense. We are we've supposedly been a conservative state because we had we've had terrible governance, uh, even from conservative governors. So that's why our fingers are crossed for this one to maybe get some things done. But uh, and I do believe that his executive order is a good start. But we need more. What what other specific pieces of legislation would you like to see to turn this situation around? Well, one thing about it, you know, this year will not be a tax year uh, unless there's a special session, but the regular session won't be a tax year. That will come um, next year in 2025. And so in this this, in, in this session um, coming up this year, what we would like to see, you know, is a stronger spending limit, something that really puts in the reins of how much the government can spend over time. Right now, it's based on um, personal income growth over the last three years. But personal income growth can be highly volatile, and, and it can indicate a lot of, of growth across the economy of people's incomes. But as we've seen, wages aren't keeping up with that personal income. Right. And so basing it more on, like, population growth and inflation, something that's lower, that better matches the average taxpayer's ability to pay for government spending, I think that would be uh, a better form, and we think that that would be a better form of a spending limit um, this year that should pass. And then that would go right along with, you know, Governor Landry's views of let's look at every dollar that's being spent, what we call zero-based budgeting <laughs> within the budget. I think that would be key to this, um, along with some other you know types of looking in the future for tax reforms. But I think that's going to come next year, of course. But these are the ways to start removing obstacles in people's lives and families' lives across the state. And then that way, hopefully, there's less incentive for them to move. Because you're exactly right, Carol, when you look at all these states, and I have this map here in this, uh, in this article, is, is that it's, it's interesting. You have these California, Illinois, and New York, you expect that from their high taxes. But not Louisiana, when you've got Texas right next door right. that's bringing in people. In Florida and Alabama, um, Louisiana kind of looks like you know, it's, it's one, something's different here compared to these other places. And it's because of the high spending and high taxes and high regulations that are having them flee to other states. Yeah, because even the ones that aren't don't the southern states that don't experience large growth in inbound, they're they're just kind of stasis. They're just holding their own like uh, Oklahoma and Arkansas and Mississippi and Georgia. But all of the others like Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina, Florida, Alabama, Texas, they're all I mean, they're all really showing great growth in population. So their policies and and being uh, friendly toward people, toward businesses, uh, etc., makes them, you know, very attractive. Yeah. So. And, 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 and Carol, one, one thing I would mention is that, you know, what do you, what do you notice about some of those states? Texas, Tennessee, Florida, no personal, no personal income, income tax. tax. <laughs> North, North Carolina, they just passed a bill last year that's going to bring their income tax, a flat income tax, down to 2.49%, which will be the largest in the nation. Because right now it's Arizona at 2.5%, but North Carolina is still going to be lower than that. So there's been this competition of who can get who can get the zero fat the fastest, and, and Louisiana has fallen behind in that sort of competition, this laboratory that we have called the states. Yeah, and I want to talk about some of the, since they can't do it this year, there are some folks looking at... Uh, I guess they're they're starting the conversation now, which is a smart idea. We're going to take a quick break. We're talking to Dr. Vance Ginn with Pelican Institute uh, Public Policy, and he's the uh, he's their chief economist at the Center for Opportunity Policy. So we want to talk more to him about how we can turn this ship of state around. And we'll be right back on the Ross Report. Don't go away. All right. 
Welcome back. We have Dr. Vance again on the line with us from the Pelican Institute talking about, well, talking about a lot of things. And the Pelican Institute has come out with a comeback agenda. And in addition to passing that responsible budget, you're talking about tax reform, which can't really happen until next year because this is next year is the fiscal year. But you have things like education, freedom, revamping the workforce and revamping social safety net programs. What do you mean by those? Because those are that's a big big get if you could get that yeah it is and we have a number of issues that we've been looking into and researching and there's a great opportunity um for for there's what's called a WIOA, which happens at the federal level and there's an opportunity for louisiana to follow the lead of what utah has done to where they have a what's called a one-door policy is what we've looked at a one-door model if you will to where you put everything that's in the workforce part along with all the safety nets just put them all into one door so if whenever you have somebody that comes in and wants to find out if they um, are eligible for a training program or a safety net program, that they can do it all in one in one place <laughs> compared to have all these other hoops to have to, to jump through. And what Utah has seen over the, the last you know decade plus that they've been doing this is that this has helped to reduce costs. It's helped to put more people to work, which is where you gain dignity and respect and, and everything else, and also helps to get you out of poverty. And so that's what we've really seen in Utah. And so we're hoping that some of this will also happen in places like Louisiana. It should happen here. Too many people get stuck in this rut in, in, on these safety net programs and not know what to do next. We should be um, helping them more to find a job. And, and then I think by doing some of our other reforms of responsible budgeting, tax reform, regulatory reform, that those things will provide a, a better opportunity for people to find those jobs that will move them up the income ladder and get out of poverty. Instead of, you know, uh, Carol, having these programs programs that just keep people in poverty for so long we really need to to get them out of it yeah the poverty industrial complex it keeps a lot of people employed in state government doesn't it mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I like that 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 one door policy sounds like a holistic approach to to the overall issue because you're either working or you're not if you're working good if you're not mm-hmm. you need a social safety net you need some program to help you through until you can get a job whatever whether it's training education etc i like that idea very much does it have a chance in louisiana I, I think so. I, I really do. I think the, the um, Governor Landry is looking into it, and there's a, there's a lot of push to get something done. Um, I think even in Congress, there's going to be an opportunity for some reforms there. Where hopefully, they will allow for these types of waivers and these this type of experimentation to happen in Louisiana. Um, and if that if that goes through, I think we'll have a, a, a supportive opportunity, a big opportunity for us to have more reforms in the future. Um, the other thing here is for education freedom, school choice. Right. right? I think right. It's, it's huge. We just had National School Choice Week last week. Um, Governor Landry has been supportive of that as well, along with a lot of other members. And and so what we're what we're looking at there is another opportunity to bring people out of poverty. If they have an education, there's what's called the Carol. If you heard about this, it's called the success sequence, where if you graduate high school, you get a full time job, and you get married before you have kids. In that order, yeah. you're you're you're, right. you're it's only 97 percent of not being in poverty, yeah. right? So a very small percentage of people who follow that order would actually be in poverty. And and, and so education and school choice is so important to that, to that process. 
But aren't you just being so judgmental? You want people to get married before they have kids. Oh, my goodness. Aren't you judgmental about that? You want a, you want a two-parent household? Aren't you awful? You're just terrible. <laughs> I know. It's terrible. It's terrible to look at the facts. Yeah, and, exactly. and the facts matter. The data matter. And they support that if you're if you're married and you have two parents uh, making income, you're less likely to be in poverty. Well, you're, so just so pr- you're just so bourgeois. You're just so bourgeois. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, uh, I'm joking about it because... Because this is how these people think. It's not about, you know, just logic. It's not about just basic stuff working. No, they've got it. You know, it's just this pie-in-the-sky stuff. Um, By the way, there's that that panel that the governor has put in. It's his transition committee on economic development and fiscal policy. Have you all had some input into that as well? Because they're they're looking at ending corporate and personal income taxes. This is what the headline is in the paper, uh, article by Tyler Bridges, and of course they're getting big pushback from the other side from the Louisiana Budget Project. Sounds serious, but it's not. But anyway, so they're getting they're getting pushback from that. Where are where have you seen any of their recommendations? Well, there's, there's a lot of discussions that are going on, and as we mentioned, um, you know, this isn't a tax year, but we need to be building for next year, <laughs> whenever the, that... Dr. Ginn? Hey, you just not, knocked yourself off the air, I think. Uh-oh. Dr. Ginn, did you press the mute on your phone uh, by accident? We have had that happen several times. Call him back. All right. Oh, there, there. I'm, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, now I can. You just went... Oh. Totally silent for a minute. Oh, weird. There. I'm not sure what happened. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, but no, we've been in. There's been a lot of discussions going on about what's the next best step um, for Louisiana on the tax side. Of course, that can't happen until next year. I don't remember what you what what you heard. Um, but I but I think that what we can do is start setting the stage for yes. what could happen next time. Yeah, it's um, going to have to be a full tax court. reform, right? You it's know, that sort be, of thing. It's going to have to be a full court press, and I think you're going to have to get people on your side. Like, for instance, as did not happen. Uh, the way it should have happened with uh, consolidating the sales tax collection, which would have been a big step forward. Is that mm. still on the table? Uh, I think it needs to be. I mean, that's that's a big part of it. I know that we've talked a lot about it internally at, at the Pelican Institute and um, streamlining, consolidating. There's there's a lot of um, burdens that happen with the sales tax system today, given how disorganized <laughs> that it is. Yeah. And so by having more of this streamlined approach um, where there's one collector of, of the sales taxes instead of uh, multiple across the state, that would be a, a transformative, and not only for those small businesses, but also for families and a lot of the additional costs that it adds to the prices of everything that's paid. Uh, absolutely. And by the way, um, since it's, it can't happen until next year, but is there a possibility that you guys get together with this, this transition committee and maybe uh, take some of these things that are going to take a big change, like the centralized sales tax collection? That's mm. that. Uh, a lot of people on the local level, they don't trust the state. And they just felt that, you know, well, the state's going to keep the money. We're not going to get our money back. It's going to, and there's some local people in the local sales tax office. But they, I talked to somebody locally and they said that they, they still have to have a way to, uh, disburse the funds. So even if the funds come in, you know, collected in a central place, they still have to be disbursed, uh, to the locals, uh, to the local right. government entities. So, uh, I, I don't see that as an issue. I do see the lack of trust under John Bell Edwards, so maybe that mm. was the big issue then. But uh, we have a governor now that, I mean, got elected with 51% of the vote right out of the box. So, 
Yeah. Uh, he, well, he, you know, Carol, um, I look at a lot of other states and, and what they do with their taxes. Mm-hmm. And for sales tax collections in Texas, for example, um, the, the it, it, it all goes from those businesses that collect the tax directly from the consumer. They send it to Austin to the to the Texas comptroller, and then the comptroller sends that money back out to the localities. So it is a centralized collection and then distribution back out right. instead of having to have multiple entities collecting, collecting. it. And then, you know, you know what I mean? Yes. Um, so there, there are better approaches, and I think that centralization um, would be helpful in this case. Well, I think it has to happen. It's too complicated. Yeah. And that's another thing. It's so complicated and burdensome to do business in Louisiana. I mean, even yeah. people just moving here, who have a skill. I had a story on yesterday about a guy who was a plumber. He was coming from Florida, 20 year experienced plumber. And it was hmm. so, it was so difficult for him to get permitted here. He just gave up and went back. Uh, wow. It shouldn't be that way. Uh, and there no. is, uh, Chuck Owen has put in something that should be music to you guys years over there is the uh, Uniform uh, Licensing uh, Registration hmm. Act. Uh, that he's putting in, I think, the, in this session. So there are things that can be done this session that not necessarily yeah. tax reform, but that can make the state more business friendly. That's exactly right. You know, you're, you hit the nail on the head, Carol. I mean, I think when you talk about occupational licensing, when you talk about school choice, I mean, all these things are things that could happen this session. Um, and so we'll, we're, we're excited about it. We're looking forward. And like I said, we're, we're calling it it's go time uh, with our comeback agenda. And, and we're going to continue to talk about it and, and be about it. We're going to have what's called our um, Solution Summit coming yep. up on March 7th yep. uh, in Baton Rouge. And so we're really looking forward to talking about all these issues, bring some legislators in and everything, and have some good discussions to make sure that we can make um, Louisiana the best it can be. Well, you've done some great research, and I think uh, anybody who attends the, uh, the, Pel- the Solution Summit March 7th will get a lot of good information. In the meantime, in the meantime, they can go to Pelican- pelicanpolicy.org and check yep. out your story and, uh, and all the other information. The, the research you all do is really impeccable, and uh, it's, it's irrefutable. It's by the numbers, and so it's really hard to argue with this. It's not a philosophical thing. It's reality, and it's what we need to do. And, Dr. Ginn, I always appreciate you coming on, even on short notice. You're always so full of uh, knowledge and information. We appreciate you very much. Thank you. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity, Carol. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. You bet. Thank you so much. All right. Uh, take care. And we'll, hopefully we're going to see you at the summit. I'm going to try to get over there for the summit. That would be great. All right. Uh, We'll be right back on the Ross Report. Don't go away. Got to take a break for the news. Lots more to talk about. Mm -hmm. Leave it on the boogie. 